You're listening to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, a podcast for music fans where musicians and friends share some drinks and talk about the top 12 songs of the year without all that technical jargon. Join us for episode 63. This week, we'll discuss the best songs of 1994. Let's take a second to remember 1994. Nancy Kerrigan was clubbed in her legs before the Olympics. The Northridge earthquake. Kurt Cobain is found dead. Amazon was founded by Jeff Bezos. And the World Series is canceled for the first time ever due to a player strike. TV shows that premiered in 1994 included ER, Party of Five, and Friends. Shows that ended included In Living Color, LA Law, and The Arsenio Hall Show. Top movies included Forrest Gump, Speed, Clerks, The Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, and The Lion King. As for the music, what a year for music. For that, let's turn it over to your host, Rob Heitman, and the man who sold the world, Jeff Stewart. Hey! (laughs) Thank you, Rob. (laughs) Welcome to the Dirty Dozen Podcast, where we rank the Dirty Dozen or Top 12 songs from 1994 while discussing that year's music and pounding back a few drams in this case. I'm Rob. And I'm Jeff. Hey, Jeff. We'd like to thank everybody who's been active on Facebook. While we can't give everybody a shout out, I'd like to give a shout out to a couple each week. Megan LeMay, Linda Breach, and Alex Hennon. Thank you for being a part of the community. So, Jeff, what mm. do you remember about 1994, or did any of the shows or movies spark yeah, something? Yeah, every time you give the little introduction and what, it's like, oh, that was that year? Ooh, that was a good year for movies, you know? It's like, oh, wow, hey, that's, that was interesting. Oh, the earthquake. I remember what was when the earthquake. I mean, all these things kind of start flooding back. As the years go on, you know, it's just the 90s becomes one just big year. But, you know, those things, like, oh, that pins it out a little bit. I remember those things. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the earthquake, obviously, here was mm-hmm. a big thing. Yep. It took down the... 5 and 14, the overpass there, and it did a number on the 10 down in Santa Monica. So if you want to get into some earthquake talk, the uh, <laughs> no. the energy went out to Santa Monica and then up through Santa Clarita. It was weird the way that kind of energy went, way to follow the fault line. So, yeah, those two things got hit hard. No, I believe it. I remember Clerks. That was a great movie. <laughs> as, as weird of all those great movies. Like remember Clerks? Clerks, Clerks really? is like, a, it's just one of those great Jersey movies. I was just going to say it's a Jersey movie, so that's for you, yeah. And Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction I mean. was great. I remember seeing that in the theater. Forrest Gump was amazing. So I remember seeing that in the theater. I did not see Clerks in the theater. I saw that on video, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Speed, I remember in the theater. I don't know if I, did I see Speed? Keanu probably, Reeves, come on. You gotta, you gotta maybe, love that. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. It's one of the best actors of her generation. <laughs> More of a thespian, really. Than Although the, the World Series, obviously, there's World Series playoffs going yeah. on now. Yep. And the World Series being canceled. The World Series has been played on in the midst of two world wars, in the midst of the Depression era, but now in 1994, in the midst of the greed era in Major League Baseball, no World Series. No more baseball this year. As an avid baseball fan, it was a big thing for me. It was that, ridiculous. It, it was I the mean, first year yeah. it's ever been canceled. I actually have a baseball that was printed for the World Series that year. Do you really? Yeah. That was never used because well, they didn't they, they didn't have it. Yeah. So it was a little weird thing that I collected. Join me in a belt of scotch. It's nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, but I haven't slept in days. Today we're drinking Powers single pot still Irish whiskey, the three swallow version, which is pretty cool. The whole story behind it, they had coachmen okay. who delivered all of their whiskey. And they were given three swallows of yeah. whiskey to drink during the trip because it was often cold outside in Ireland in the winter. You can imagine. How interesting. So that was three swallows. Oh, wow. There you go. At least that's what the legend says. Yeah. Who okay. knows? For me, it tastes great. It, um, it's really good, actually. Is it a single malt? No, it's a blend. 
It's very good. It's definitely an Irish whiskey. What they do is they have most of it's in a bourbon barrels. Yep. But they have 5% or around 5% mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. in a sherry cask. Really? Yeah. So when they come together and they they blend it they in those blending. barrels. Yeah. Right. Oh, really? So yeah, that's it's pretty interesting. Cool. So for me, it's, it's great. I, I get like, you know what I taste as weird as it is? Uh-huh. I almost taste a banana on the back or like a banana peel or something on the back end that's of it. A, that's a usual Irish. I mean, that's yeah. a typical. It is darker than most Irish, though, if you look at it. That makes me think of the sherry casks. At least it looks darker in the bottle there. Yeah, it's only 5% of the blend, so it shouldn't be mm-hmm. too drastic, but yeah. Definitely darker than a Bushmills, though, Yeah, yeah. by looking at it, right? Yeah. Before we begin, we'll be critically reviewing the songs of 1994, and we'll share around 20 seconds of each tune Unless there is a specific issue or criticism that we may need to highlight, then we may do a second clip. We have made Apple Music and Spotify playlists. Just search Official Dirty Dozen on either service to listen to each of our lists in their entirety. This way, all the money for playing tunes will always head back to the artists we discuss. We've also created a current episode Dirty Dozen podcast playlist, which will automatically update with each podcast to the current podcast. So subscribe once and always be updated. We decided to link a song with the year the album was released because songs can chart multiple years and we felt this was the best way to avoid duplication over the podcast. So the way this works is we combine our individual top 12 lists with a lightly weighted media list, which is taken from media sources on the web and combined into one list to create our official Dirty Dozen for 1994. We'll count down the official list from 12 to 1, nice and simple. But before we get going with the list, we'll each talk about a song that wouldn't be in our top 12 but we'd still like to discuss. We call this our song of note. So Jeff, what's your song of note? Well, my song of note is The Man Who Sold the World by Nirvana. We try not to keep live versions in the list, but this is my song of note, so I have free will to do that. That was a big song that year. It was so a big like song. A it was a big album. I thought it had to be on a list somewhere. So It's an amazing version. It it's really an amazing is. version, and it was such an iconic piece of television, I guess you could say, as opposed to even just the album itself, you know? Right. It was on MTV, Unplugged in New York, if mm-hmm. you want to take a listen or watch it on YouTube or whatever. But it's a great song. I mean, it's a departure for them in a sense, but it fits this time frame, I thought, really well, this song. You know, and of, Kurt of died a couple months after not, the show. Not very long at all. Yeah, so this is kind of his last performance. Yeah. So I think that's why it even has a little more weight. Again, I thought something from this album had to be on the list, and so it, it fit in here well at the song note. I thought it was weird that you know Nirvana picked a David Bowie song, and I mm-hmm. looked into it, and Chad Channing, who was the Nirvana drummer before Dave Grohl, and he had asked them if they liked David Bowie, and they said they'd never even heard him besides Let's Dance. So... He went to a record store and picked out Man Who Sold the World, hmm. and they just absolutely loved it. Interesting. So, all right, let's listen to the song of note by Jeff, the man who sold the world. And by the way, we did Nirvana on episode 11 of this podcast. Mm. So if you haven't heard that, check that out. Let's listen to the man who sold the world. That was The Man Who Sold the World, Jeff's Song of Note. Now, my Song of Note. Mm, what was it? It's by a band called Bad Religion. Mm-hmm. And it's off of their Stranger Than Fiction album. It's called Infected. It's really one of those songs that I heard. I'm like, oh, 
I love that song when I was doing my research for this year. I remember my buddy, and I mentioned this in the podcast before, uh-huh. Dan Barbuto, if you're out there. This is a tape you gave me that had this in it. Hi, Dan. I listened to it. I love the tape. It's a, he used to give me like all these mixtapes because he was on the cutting edge. He was one of those guys who had all the sub pop before sub pop right. did. Yep. On the bleeding edge of that stuff. So he introduced me to a bunch of really cool music. And this one, I just remember I listened to all the time and I didn't know anything about the band. I didn't know anything. I just liked right. that song. Yep. Yep. I love the punk feel, obviously, and the rock execution of this song, although mm-hmm. they consider themselves the punk band. The nice groove from the beginning and then the guitars start ascending and it's so so good yeah catchy chorus with nice drum fill at the end of it and it's interesting that their lead singer brett gerwitz who's now a phd of all things right uh, he teaches at ucla and at cornell he has a specialization in earth sciences i think it's under his zoology phd kind of weird it's not living on a tour bus that's on his phd in (laughs) no but i'm sure if that phd was offered he could get one Sure, a lot of people could get one. The video on this was kind of cool. They had yeah. Eric Estrada in it. I do not remember that. Yeah, he made a cameo at the end. It wasn't like a big role for him. They were going to get Don Knotts, but Don Knotts said no. Rob, I have a feeling if you and I called Eric Estrada, he would probably sit down <laughs> on the next podcast. So. Oh, we should do that then. <laughs> I would be so up for that. I think he's got time. For an extra 20 bucks, he'll wear the uniform. I have a funny feeling. Oh, he wore the uniform in the video. Yeah. <clears throat> there you go. Brett's favorite line from this is, I want to drill you like an ocean, meaning violating an unspoiled woman. Oh, I thought you were talking to me for a second. No. Oh, okay. All no. right, good. I feel much better. <laughs> like, right. like an oil rig penetrates a pristine sea. All righty. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's listen to Infected by Bad Religion, my song of note. Really good. I mean, you could, good or bad, you can pick what year that song was written, especially that lead guitar part at the beginning that, that it's like, okay, that pins in. The thing that doesn't fit that song and doesn't fit it in a good way, it kind of separates it, are the harmonies in the chorus. Yeah. It was a very poppy chorus for- It turned it poppy. It set it apart. I think that's why it was a hit. Well, I think that's what caught me, I think, at the yes, end of absolutely. it. Yes, absolutely. Because you it listen for. to it, it's like, okay, nice groove. I like yep, it. Yep. I like it. I like it. And then that kicks in. It, it's like, sets, it, yeah. sets it apart. There it yep. is. So now it's time for the main event. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. All right. So now it's time for the main event. We're going to actually start the Dirty Dozen. Here we go. So let's go to number 12. I'll probably have no songs in this list, so you just go ahead. Uh, you're going to start with number 12. Am I? Good. We actually talked about this band on the seventh podcast we ever did. Okay. The name of the group is Alice in Chains off of Jar of Flies. Never heard of them. And the song is I Stay Away. You're number eight. It was hard to narrow this album down to one. When I listened to the songs from this album, this one was always the best one for me, right? I like this one the best. Whatever that means, for whatever reason, when we listen to it, we can talk about that, but... This song set apart from the other ones for me. No, I I love this album. As I said before, I, I actually enjoy the guitar during the chorus on this. It's yeah. sort of all over the place, but in a good way. It is. Yes, absolutely. And various licks, heavy fuzz and some wah. So it works. But the solo really steps up mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. He, he usually goes into a wah solo and stuff. This is a clean solo. Absolutely. And it 
kind of lifts this song up as one of the best solos that on the album, at least. Yes. And it almost doesn't fit, which again, like the previous song, doesn't fit in a good way. Mm-hmm. Right. It set it apart. It, it, it made, when you're listening, it's like, oh, wait, that it jumped out because it almost didn't fit. And the string sections and the horns on this. Yeah. I mean, they actually kind of work. I mean, as for this as, song, it worked. Yeah. Some of the other songs now, not as much, but for this song, it worked. And Lane Staley is amazing as always. So. Yeah. The video actually has a stop motion animation. You yeah. Seen that one? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's kind of cool. And, and it's a bit of a darker vibe overall. I mean, this is the first album that Mike Inez is the bassist. This is after Star just left. That coupled with the harmonies. It's, it's and their fantastic. harmonies are always great, right? I mean, the, the two of them do really well in their harmonies. They're a little bit odd, the harmonies, but they always work so well together. No, this is a, a great album, a great song. Not my favorite song, but that's okay. Especially with this album, I don't think it's the individual songs that matter so much. It's more of a great album than a yeah. great individual yes. single. There's not a wood on here. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's listen to number 12, I Stay Away by Alice in Chains. Number 12, I Stay Away by Alice in Chains off the Jar of Flies album. A good number 12 to start us yeah, off. Yeah, it's a good one. You either love the dissonant part there in the middle or you don't. I do. It's like You I, do and I'm I'm indifferent about it. I like it because it grabs my ear. It, it draws my attention. It's not a standard harmony. He does a weird harmony. Yes. All right. So that was number 12, I Stay Away. Now let's jump into number 11, which is way more important because it's on my list. There you go. That's all that matters. <laughs> and uh, it was my number seven. It's off of an album called Ill Communication. <laughs> yeah. And it's by the Beastie Boys, and the name of the song is Sabotage. Just missed my list. It's a. It's just a really, really good song. And I mentioned to see the Apple Music, not Apple Music, it's on Apple Plus. Okay. See the Beastie Boys story is right. just phenomenal. You have to watch it. But anyway, this is at the point of their career where they were actually playing their own instruments. Yeah. And Remember actually seeing them being a band. Playing their own. Yeah. So it was such a difference from their fight to your right, the party years. Right. So, and the video for this, I just, you couldn't get away from that. It was Foo Fighter-ish in the sense of, you know, they're kind of making fun of themselves. It was kind of cool. They kind of didn't care. You kind of throw it out whoever they wanted. It was directed by Spike, Spike Jones. Jones. Yeah. 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 You can totally tell too. It's his exact way he sets <laughs> things up. Yeah. This was just a great thing with them and the mustaches and they all have the characters. It was just awesome. Like, yeah. I loved it. <laughs> the lyrics were written about an annoying engineer named Mark Coletto Jr., who got frustrated with the slow pace of the Beastie Boys recording, and the trio felt like he was sabotaging their music by trying to push through instrumental tracks that they were unhappy with in order just to get something done. Yeah. So that was where sabotage well, came the, from. Yeah, the, you know, the joke on that was the Beastie Boys didn't need any help in sabotaging their, their music. Well, at that point, they did. <laughs> I just, I thought I'm only this teasing, was, yeah. please. <laughs> the yeah. guitar groove yeah. is amazing. R.I.P. No, MCA. Uh, I love the soundscape in this. The sabotage lyric kind of acts like a chorus. 
is not really i like the tacit and restart with only the guitar midway through that's one of the great things I love. it's a good groove it really is and the way they and you're right the way they did that kind of start and stop and way they it just it's a it's a really cool structure it was a super catchy song and it worked well for them absolutely and it was kind of interesting that this song they were nominated for MTV Music Video Awards or whatever. They should. They should. And won they it. didn't win. Who won? Everybody hurts by REM. Oh, good lord! But Adam, yeah, MCA went yeah. went up there and he rushed the podium mm-hmm. in character. So he was Kanye before Kanye. Yeah, and it's alter ego Nathaniel Hornblower. <laughs> yes, okay, wearing a huge that. fake mustache and lederhosen came out and he, he grabbed the mic. And this was for the Best Director Award and Spike Jones lost to this guy, you know, from REM. And and here's what happened. This is an outrage because Spike is a director that has just... I'm from Switzerland, okay? Let me just tell everyone that. And, and since I was a small boy, I had dreamed that Spike would win this. And now this has happened. And I just want to tell everyone that this is a farce, that I had all the ideas for Star Wars and everything. Wow. <laughs> we um I have no I have no idea what that I, I think that was Cindy Lauper, but I'm not sure. Fantastic. He was Kanye before Kanye. What was Mike D or Adrock doing at the time? I don't just like laughing probably. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my god, we're gonna get thrown out. <laughs> See all you people I know my I know my rap. I know my Beastie Boys. There you go. All right, let's listen to Sabotage. Our number 11 from 1994. Let's listen. Yeah, I just had had to listen to my favorite part, although you guys will not hear that. (laughs) Uh, The tacit part. I love it. All right. All right. That was our number 11 sabotage. That that fuzz bass really helps that that song out. Oh, everything. It's just, yeah. It just has a good groove. Yeah, it does. So, so fun. Yeah. So, it's so much different from the earlier stuff. Can't argue that. Which I love. It's it's a little bit more sophisticated. Yes, we are all sophisticated, beastie boss. Anyway, let's move on to number 10. And this one actually had two of us. If we want to include the media, you mm-hmm. uh, you and the media had this on that list, not me. Okay, so it must be something really good then. Uh, your son will think so. Uh, that's why I put it on. Okay. <laughs> this is Say It Ain't So by Weezer. If I didn't put it on my list, I wouldn't be able to go home, so that's why I had Evan on there. <laughs> and I, my, first, my first note on this is, like, glad to see your son got a song on this he list. He did. His, his would have been much, much higher. Probably would have been number one or two. I think number two. I think our number one songs were the same, so... It's an interesting song for the time. It's a good song. I think they did a good job with it. Um, they had a couple of songs in this album that were hits. They had a couple of good videos, but I think this one stood out a little bit more. I liked it. I liked the structure of it a little bit better. It's interesting that the whole song came about because the lead singer, Rivers Cuomo, the person who wrote the song as well, he found mm-hmm. his stepfather's Heineken in the fridge in his house mm-hmm. and his father had left him because his father was an alcoholic when he was a little kid right so when he saw that in his stepfather's fridge he thought his stepfather was now going to leave them again 
Oh, really? Yeah. He's been dealing with that pain for a very long time. So There's some trauma there. So that was the impetus oh, for this. Interesting. I didn't so, know that. Matt Sharp does the falsetto vocals yeah. in this, which is kind of cool. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. This song, the intro really reminds me of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, like under the bridge. It does a little bit. Yes, I, I definitely will give you that. In the beginning, if I'm listening to it, especially the first verse, and the second verse, it becomes right. more Weezer-ish. Yes. But the first verse, I'm like, oh, this sounds like the Chili Peppers, because the way he's playing the Strat or the Telly or whatever he's playing. Yeah. I think it, he's doing it in a Jag, actually, is what he plays. Yeah. And he's playing it just like Frusciante would. <laughs> right. So I, I hear that. I'm like, oh, and then the vocals are in that same space. And that could be space. totally purposeful. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then after that, they go and they kick good. into the, yeah. the, their Weezer-ish. And the chorus is great. And it's definitely them. I think I really like the chorus. You definitely know this. Is, you're not going to confuse us with anybody else. You know this is going to be Weezer. You're not going to confuse us with anybody else's style. Yeah. The melody's solid and the crunch guitar is really kind yeah, of cool. Yeah, yeah, I is. like that yeah. vibe. Yeah. All right. So let's listen to San Antonio, our number 10 by... Weezer! Alright, let's listen. The problem. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like my only, only friend, friend is the. Yeah, it totally could fit. Absolutely. Okay, that was number 10, Say It Ain't So by Weezer. The chorus makes that song. It really does. So, that was number 10. Good song. I can go home tonight then. <laughs> there you go. It made the list, so you're fine. Yeah, Eric, you're good to go, buddy. And now let's make Michelle happy with the number nine song overall. Oh, goodness gracious. What's this? This is your number six overall, but the number nine overall for us, and not on anybody else's list. But my wife loves it too. The artist is Seal, and the it's song good, is Kiss from a Rose. It's a good song. It's structured really well. It's a good song. <laughs> Whoopa! <laughs> I get it. It's fine. I get it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, did I own the album? No, but it's a good song. It really is. Yeah, that's it, ticket. He owns the album. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fine. Yeah. And two of them. Won the Grammy that year, I believe. Seal was actually really embarrassed about this song. He was. Yeah, absolutely. Not anymore, though. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. He's, he enjoys it now. This was it. This is a seal. Is I'm ready. Stop. I was so embarrassed by it. <laughs> I wouldn't play it for my producer Trevor Horn, <laughs> so I played it for a friend. And then when when I was recording my second album, Trevor kept asking me about this rose song he'd heard about because my friend I told him about it, and my friend I played it to him, and and then he starts browbeating me into playing it. And to be honest, I was not very proud of it. I thought it was what Trevor did with the recording, but then he turned my tape from the corner and now 8 million record sales later, and my name's a household name, so I kind of like it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, did Seal have a speech impediment? I'm not sure what you were doing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm not sure what you were doing. I don't know. I know he's British. <laughs> Sounds like he, had, he was shot up with Novocaine before he started talking. He was. That was right when he came from the dentist, actually. <laughs> so what it was? Okay, good. All right. Just snip, all snaps. I just have that standard it's thing. A, you yes. can probably do it better. No, I can't. I can't. But thank you for at least you're actually, assuming. Uh, actually, I'm closer, I'm closer to that than anybody. This is a well-structured song. It's really good. I almost thought you said a Welsh-structured song. I'm not, I'm not a Welsh. No, it was not a Welsh-structured song. That would be more of a Tom Jones. Uh, uh, I know. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> It's a well-structured song. It's really good. The chords in it are amazing, the way they kind of play off of each other. And according to me and the media, it's, you know, 
What, was it on the media's list? It was not. See, ah, just me. Well, the media doesn't know what you're talking about. Uh, but it actually Unless they agree with me. It won a Grammy for the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It won three Grammys, actually. So everybody, and, and, when, Once you play it, everybody goes, oh, that's a good song. That it was a good song it, for it the is. year. It, you know, in all fairness, it's a good song, and it's very flowery, but it's very There's good. There's no distorted guitars in it. Fine. It's still a good song. No, it's a true pop song. Yeah. And, and I think people will be listening to it 30 years from now. Let's listen to Kiss from a Rose. I seal our number nine. My eyes become alive and the light that you shine can't be seen. Okay, that was number nine, Kiss from A Rose by Seal. It's a really well-sung song, too. I mean, the vocals are really well done. And we were talking about the instrumentation of the vocals, the way they kind of sit in. It's really nice. One of the things that was noticeable was that instead of keyboards or strings or something, they, much like pentatonic, they have vocal singers doing a lot of that. They layered those vocals and yeah. to fill in those gaps that we would normally do. With yeah, and actually sort of doing different melodic lines in there. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite cool. All right, so it was number nine, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Now, number eight is nothing like that. <laughs> awesome. That's what we want. And uh, we actually discussed this song on episode 30 of our podcast, which was 12 Artists You Should Be Listening To, part B, actually. Mm, I think I know the one, possibly. And this is by the Toadies, mm-hmm. off of the Rubberneck album. And the song is Possum Kingdom, and it was my number five, and it's our number eight. It's a really good song. Possum Kingdom is actually a lake in Texas where the band is from, and Vaden Todd Lewis, the singer, he said, it's just a story I heard a long time ago. It was just really cool, eerie lake, and some stuff I'd heard, and some stuff I just made up, and I tend to do that. They they dammed up this big river up there, and there's these spooky names like Hell's Gate, like real cool. What accent is that, Rob? Just I like, just, I just, I'm jumping it, in here. It's right nothing there. really. All right, it's, right, okay. it's just like some teenager. We're okay dude. if we hear your voice. It's okay. I know, <laughs> but it's, I, I'm just trying to make something No, it's, it's an entertaining me, absolutely. I'm sure it is for the audience, too. <laughs> yes, Continue. I know. Yeah, actually, story was birthed as a tale of a real stalker in Tyler, Texas, who was like a peeping Tom. Mm. He was peeping in the windows and breaking into people's houses. And Vaden starts thinking about it. And he's a big Stephen King fan. And he starts getting into it. He's like, what would it be like if that guy was real and diving into that? And that's the creepiness. And then he pulled from another song on the album. The other song from the album is called I Burn. And he said, what if that character from I Burn, which is a guy who burn himself alive so that he could ascend to an ethereal plane. Okay. Pretty, pretty sick. You know, it's a dark song. Yeah. He says, well, what if he actually got there and he was a spirit and tried to lure somebody out by the boathouse. Right. And tried to lure her to doing the same thing and join him in the the fiery afterlife or whatever it was. Or he made her. That's not. Yeah. 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 So it's it's not an uplifting song, but that said, I love the song. Really vibey. I remember listening to Toadies I got into when I was on Peyote. No. <laughs> hey, hey, don't take those, man. Hey, man, I already took them, man. Hey, what do you mean? Oh, wow, man. Hey, what was that shit, man? You just ate the most acid I've ever seen anybody eat in my life. 
Sorry. That's, that was, I think it was Hendrix. Uh, okay, but anyway. Right, right, that's fine. That's <laughs> no, no, no. I was, when I was doing the radio station at Ryder University, Ooh. and we, there was a metal show. And anyway, that's where I learned to like the Toadies. Oh. So that was it. Nice. So. Great song. Love it. Super interesting the way it kind of lays out and it's structured. It kind of weaves in and out a little bit. I think that's, that's very interesting. I probably need to investigate it a little bit more, but um, really like the way it sounds. But as listening to it, it's like, hmm, that might be one of the better sounding albums of the year. Yeah, Rubberneck is just a great album, period. Anyway, let's listen to our number eight, Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. Okay, that was number eight, Possum Kingdom. It's a good song. If you grew up in Southern California, it was in heavy K-Rock rotation. Yeah, it was in, it's big yeah. in the, the Northeast as well. Yeah. No. Very good. The next song, our number seven, we covered on our episode 16, so you can check that out if you want. It's by a small band that most people haven't heard of, but called Pearl Jam. How do you spell that? I don't know. Okay. Pearl, P-E-A-R-L. I'll look them up. Jam. I'll look them up. It's something about, you know, I don't know. They're like jellies or something. I knew anyway, it was Mookie Blaylock. <laughs> yeah, Mookie Blaylock. I, I remember them. I don't know who this Pearl Jam <laughs> is. Pearl Jam, yes. Uh, anyway, no, this is Pearl Jam off of the Vitology album, Better Man. This was Jeff's number seven. This is the media's number six, and I did not have it on my list. And it's our number seven overall, so Jeff matched up with the number, so take it away. I thought this song had to be on there. It's a different song for them, I think. Lyrically, I think people really like this song. I know that a ton of people have covered it, not necessarily on albums, but in in concerts. I know Chris Cornell did a couple of times just on his own. It starts off kind of different. I think it's a it's a departure for Pearl Jam, yet it is a Pearl Jam song, if that makes any sense to anybody. No, I mean, I like this song. I, I thought I like Corduroy better and I like uh, Last Exit better. Right. Uh, Last Exit's really good, too, but I, I thought this one was... I think if you ask the Pearl Jam guys, I think they would put this one on. No, no, I get it. It's one of it's really nice acoustic playing through the verse and the chorus when that clean electric comes in and mm-hmm, sort of lifts mm-hmm, it up a little mm-hmm. bit. And Vetter is always very emotional in his. He is in his lyric. Deliverance. His lyric writing. I mean, you know, it's his, his breakup that he has in his voice. It's yes, just, it just makes his tone lifts the song up just generally. Yeah. I thought Stone's guitar playing in this is really good. And in fairness, this is not even a Pearl Jam song. This is a bad radio song. Exactly. Right. Which is uh, what Eddie Vedder's band in San Diego before he joined Pearl Jam was called. <laughs> it's an it's an. So this is a pure Eddie song. It's the whole idea is a woman settles for a man because she doesn't think she can do any better. And he had a stepfather in mind when he wrote this. Which is a tragic, which the lyrics yeah. are tragic in their yeah. own, right? She can't find a better man. Or at least that's her thought is she can't find anybody better. Because and this Eddie, guy's a complete loser. Because Eddie's real father died and his mother couldn't find anybody. And the first person who wanted to marry her, she kind of did because she needed support for Eddie and right. kids. So, But in her mind, she's thinking, I can't find anybody better. Yeah. Right. Which is tragic, right? Right. right. Anyway, let's listen to Better Man by Pearl Jam of Vitology, our number seven. All right, 
That was number seven, Better Man by Pearl Jam. It's a really good song. It it's, really is. It's a good song. I, as far as Pearl Jam, I mean, they have so many. It's not it, the it, best Pearl Jam song, but right. it is a good song in general. If you like the lyrics and, and this, the story behind it, the, it's just, it's tragic. It pulls your heartstrings. It's a good song. No, totally with. All right. Now we're going to move over to number six, hmm. which is much more important than number seven. <laughs> well, at least one more. Well, it is one more important. and it's, Oh, it's probably because it's on your list and not mine. <laughs> hey, uh, I understand. You're that. learning how this works. I understand how this works. This is to appreciate Jake when he's not here. It's one of his least favorite bands of all time. And one of my favorite bands of 94. Whose camp will I be in? This will be interesting. The Offspring. And off of the Smash album, which mm. I believe is one of their best albums, if even if you don't like them too much, this you, you have to understand that this album was big. This okay. is my number yeah. three, and it's a number six overall, and I went with self-esteem. Mm. I think Jake and I are in the same camp, but for this year, this was a big this is a big song and or album. Yeah, I even love the La La vocal in the main melody line. Again, huge heavy rotation here in SoCal. It was originally going to be a, an acoustic guitar. It wasn't supposed to be the oh, really? La La's, yeah. The bass line is so up front and so good. Mm -hmm. The guitar tone has that really good, dirty tone that I love. And Dexter's voice is really great on this one. He's another smart dude, by the yeah, way. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, we've, I think we've, we, talked, we've talked about, about him that in a previous... different podcast, so I yeah. won't go too much into that. The chords fell into that grungy sound, almost teen spirit-like. Yeah, right. But yep, the melody yep. isn't. No, so right. It, it doesn't, it's not a copy of anything. The song is about a guy who lets his girlfriend walk all over him because he has no self-esteem. And it's a semi-true story based on some experiences and some experiences his friends had. Mm. The thing where late at night she knocks on my door was real. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, fantastic tune. I it really is. It's always, a good song. It's a sing-along. It is. But when I think of 94, this is one of the songs that just pops into my head. Oh, interesting. No, it's, it, it's a good song. It was a hit. It really was. It had a good structure. It was driving. The La La La's at the beginning probably didn't start it out great for me, but I think it picked up as the song went on. Once you mentioned the acoustic guitar, I can see they probably wanted that. And he's like, well, just do it like this. La 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 La. I think that's how they did it on the demo. And then yeah, the producer absolutely. actually kind of liked it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, just keep that in. All right. So let's listen to the number six song overall, Self Esteem by The Offspring off of that wonderful album, Smash. Let's listen. All right, that's self-esteem, our number six. Really good bass line in that song. Yeah. Yeah. We're moving right along to number five. And guess what? What? You have it on your list. Oh. And I have it on my list. Wow. And we both had it at number four. We did. It's our number five, A Roll, by Blues Traveler, off of the four album, and the song is Run Around. Good song. It's a great album. It really is. I could have picked four or five songs off of this album. No one else would have, but this is the one I think stood out more than anything Well, Hook else. is the other one that you Hook, Just Wait, is a great song. It and then really Mountains Win Again. Yeah. Mountains Win Again is great. I mean, there's a, quite a few songs in here. We used to play this in a, a cover band we did in uh, college and grad school, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So this was one I used to sing. I didn't sing the chorus. I sang the verse. Well, I'm waiting. I'm not going to do it a cappella. That's not happening. But it's a great feel, straight ahead chords. The harmonica is great. We had a guy who played harmonica. It was awesome. Yeah. 
so catchy. As good as? I guess. Okay. For a bar band, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. That's so catchy. Enough. The rapid fire lyrics. I just love John Popper. He's fantastic. Though they were only friends, John Popper wrote the song about a crush he had on the band's original bassist. Mm-hmm. She actually became a doctor and left music behind. They're still friends, but only friends still. Oh, wow. And he alludes to uh, Edgar Allan Poe in the beginning, Once Upon a Midnight. Yep. Dr- yeah. Dreary is in Poe and it's right. Deary yeah. on here. Uh, Chuck Lavelle played keys from the Allman Brothers, and he also <laughs> toured with the Rolling Stones. USC fighter? No, not that one. <laughs> but yeah. But the same yeah, pronunciation, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's not the UFC fighter, oh, but darn. he played with the Allman Brothers, and he, he's a keyboard player, and he tours with the Rolling Stones now. This won a Grammy. It stayed on the Hot 100 for 49 weeks. I love Blues Traveler. I do, too. Love John's lyrics and vocals. I think the harmonica and the guitar in other songs, it doesn't stand out as much in this song, but... But the harmonica's up front in this. Harmonica's up, but they play well off of each other. Sure. Right? They always play well off. I think the drums are great. I think the bass is great. It's just, they're a good jam band. They coalesced on this album. There's some really great songs in this album, and this is a fantastic song. Really is. Run Around by Blues Traveler off the four album, which is our number five. So let's take a listen. Okay, that was the number five, Blues Traveler, Run Around. Great song. Great album. Um, Look Around is another great song. Crash Burn's a great jam song in this album. It's just... Mountains Winning Game is my second favorite. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, we're almost there. We're f- five. That means we're what's flying. next? What's after five? Four. Four. Is four next? Hang on, let me look. That's the name of the album, too. So that kind of said five, four. It's almost there. All right. The band that we cover in number four, we covered in episode 19 of our podcast. The name of the band is Stone Temple Pilots off their album Purple. And the name of the song is Interstate Love Song. This is a, I love this song. The media is number nine. Yeah. This is my number. Eight. My number two. And Jeff's number two. I love the groove in this song. I love the way it stops starts. I love the bass line. His vocals are great in it. This is a song I never skip when it comes on. Oh, yeah, no doubt. This is a great song. I really enjoy this song a lot. The slight like in the intro just kind of pulls you in. It instantly recognizable. The acoustic into that driving rock, that cool riff that kind of makes that song. The riff gets me. Whenever I think yeah. of a riff in my head, this is the one that jumps out a lot when I'm thinking of riffs. This is it. A great and the transition sound. between the acoustic and the electric is so good in this song. Yeah. Verse is amazing. It's pretty much two, three line verses to start off, holding notes at the end, and, and then it's right into that turnaround, and the chorus just carries that vocal delivery from the verse, and it's good. The transition to the hook is great. There's no guitar solo, which is the only downside I can see from this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but right. Scott Weiland is amazing. At, this is all about him lying to his wife about his heroin addiction and life on the yeah. road. Yep. He was supposed to be clean, and he kept talking to her on the phone like he was, and it's Interstate Love song because he was calling his wife from the, from the road, and he was not Doing acting well. like a, a yeah. good husband and, you know, yeah. a sober husband and all sorts of things. He yeah. was doing drugs on tour he was doing other things on tour or other people on tour 
when he wrote the song, he was in Atlanta and she was in Cali. The bassist actually wrote the music for this. He actually started as a boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The video for this is kind of weird. It's sort of like a Pinocchio type yeah, of thing right, going right. on. Yep. But yeah, no, it's a great tune. And Wait, Weaves. Everybody I really loves love, the song. Yeah. I really love the riff. The don't it just it, the way it kind of steps. It's just a great riff. The way it kind of steps down. Nothing and it sounds back, like that. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah. I mean, especially for this time too, because it was almost major chord sounding, but it was a downer of a yeah. It definitely has its own sound. I totally agree. All right, let's listen to our number four song. Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots off of the Purple album. Let's listen. Feeling like a hand in rusted chains So do you laugh or does it cry? Reply All right, that's number four, Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots. And uh, just a sidebar, we listened to the whole thing. We listened to that whole song. That's great. We were <laughs> analyzing it the whole time, listening to bass uh, line and how it We tear it apart, yeah. It's a phenomenal song. But the 20 seconds song. you heard is the best part. Yeah, exactly. No doubt. All right. So we moved from number four to number three. Mm, this will be interesting. Both of us had this on our list, which I was mm, happy about. Good. The media did not. because Mine media, was high, yours was low, or vice versa. Mine, this was my number two. Oh. This was your number five. Oh, I know it. Oh, and, good. I'm and, so glad. And this is the number three overall. This is a band called Live off of an album called Throwing Copper. And in New Jersey, you can't avoid this band, but the name of the song is I Alone. I am thrilled that this is the song we picked and not the other big hit off of this album. This is, wasn't even a hit, but this is the best song. I Alone, I love. Like, Lightning Crashes is good. but It's a good song. This is the better song in that album. Lightning Crashes was the hit but this is a better song in obviously our opinion which is the correct one well they also have uh selling the drama which was really big too damn it out of creek is great all over you the whole album it's a is, great album is, it really is, is fantastic but just the fact that we picked this song yeah. thrills me you have yeah. no idea i love the drums in this song i love the snare sound it's just it's a great song i really love the way it starts and changes and shifts and and the vocal delivery I thoroughly love this song. This is not what the song was about, which I found out during research, but I always took the song as to mean being like tempted by the devil in the Garden of Eden. It's easier not to be wise by eating mm-hmm. the for- forbidden fruit. Right, right. right. Uh, I sank into Eden with you, the snake. He's talking about the snake. Alone the church by and by, the garden alone with you. The church mm-hmm. is the garden. Mm-hmm. The greatest of teachers, which is Jesus, won't hesitate to leave you there by yourself, chained to fate, alone in the garden, trying to grab the apple. Right. And I alone love you. This is the devil trying to talk right. to you. Yeah, I yeah, alone yeah. love you. I alone tempt you. Yeah. Fear is not the end of this. Yeah. It's actually more not that. And I didn't realize that. Is it something weird? Like he, it's about him getting milk or something from the store? No, no. <laughs> it's, it it, it's more, they take things from Christian and Eastern religions mm-hmm. and they kind of bring them into their songs it was more of speaking to god in okay. the song as opposed to speaking to the devil which is what i grabbed oh, interesting. It as. okay 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 at least that was their yeah, intention yeah, 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 yeah. so that's it it's easier like the opening line it's easy not to be wise was based on uh ed always having to find interest in spiritual traditions and philosophies they were finding answers to big questions in life the initial lyric is to surrender to the 
obliviousness that it's easier not to be the wise man. It's easier to be what we what we are, fledgling beings trying to find our way through life. It's a pretty obvious statement, but it's also kind of a surrender and acknowledgement of our weakness. Mm. But yeah, that's what they said. But I really see it the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going by you, Robert. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. I, I like my version better. You're always correct. I'm I think by you. I think these other people. Yeah, he doesn't crazy. know he's talking about his own song. I know. Yeah, he, right. Yeah. He thought he was writing about that. Yeah, but he wasn't. He but didn't. He, know. Was, he was being he used. Had, he had no idea. <laughs> This is I I'm again I'm so thrilled that we picked this song off that album. This is a this is a really good song. I love this. This is another song we used to cover. That's why. Oh, there we go. There you go. Comes yes. to my head. It's got a great groove. The instrumentation on it is really good. I think it's recorded really well. It's a standout song for me. So I alone by Live, are number three. Let's listen. You've been swept away. And the greatest of teachers won't hesitate. That was number three, I Alone by Live. Fantastic song. Put some good earphones on and listen to that song. Yeah. So good. Snare is huge. We have man. two left. Can you believe two left? Just two? Number two. Number two. Let's jump to number what two. What is number two? Jake would be spinning in his grave if oh, he were dead, gracious. but he's not. This is off a band's best album ever. Everybody had it on their list. This was the media's number three. Let's start there. Okay. This is my number six. Yep. And I won't tell you yours yet because I, I know what it is. I know what mine is. And it's your number three as well. This is Basket Case by Green Ooh, Day. It's not the one I thought you were going to say. The number two song overall. Such a good song. The way it starts out and then the way the drums kick in and it's so fast on that snare and the vocals when they double. It's just a really good sounding song. I think this is... This is Green Day. This song is Green Day. Totally with. I mean, right into the verse, it's sort of catchy and drivey. And, and with lyrics like, do you have the time to listen to me whine about nothing and everything all at once? It's just this great line. Yeah. And with the guitar only playing through the verse, which as a guitarist, I kind of like. Right. <laughs> the end doesn't really feel like a chorus, but it wraps out to the turnaround, which the big open chords almost take that effect of a chorus. It does. It, it fills it in. It almost seems like it should be the chorus, right? Absolutely. The song was about panic attacks, really. Billy Joe suffered from various panic disorders while he was growing up, mm. and the only way he knew how to deal with it was to write a song about it. Well, it served him well at the end, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it served him well in the end. And uh, Trey Cool said the first Beatles album, Please Please Me, influenced Dookie. In what, in what in, way? In the, in the drumming way. The way he attacked the songs. He's a drummer, so... Understood. But I think if you compare Please Please Me to this album, I think the drums are, <laughs> what, 45 beats a minute faster? I believe so. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't see I how. I don't know. I just saw that. That, yeah, was, that, was, that was a weird comment to make. That's I an interesting like... interesting comment. I don't see how those two things correlate. So I don't maybe, know either. Yeah, in his mind, it does. But it does. It, yeah, I guess. I, yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't see it from a drumming standpoint. But I, I'm more aligned with Armstrong. He goes, this album's an anthem for weirdos. It's about losing your mind. Most people have had that experience. When you get older, it becomes more and more real. It's teenage angst, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what this time was, right? It was, uh, what, again, what, what's the Simpsons quote? Uh, making teenagers depressed is like shooting fish in a barrel. It was, you know, it's teenage angst, right? And the music video is sort of like an homage to uh, One Floor for the Cuckoo's Nest. It, it, an homage. I mean, I think it's a, it's a direct, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when Billy Joel, well, let, me, let me play this clip from him 
Billy Joe about the uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, the lead singer of Green Day. He was talking about his video shoot, which we said it was at the insane asylum. And it was kind of disturbing some of the things he brought home. So let me share that with you. Here it is. It was Trey's idea to do a video in an insane asylum. We found this um, one in uh, Palo Alto, California. We found um, outpatient files of sh like shock treatment therapy and and we found there was like this really old dentistry that was really awful looking. We went inside it and there was there was moldings of people's teeth. It was like gross. So we like brought them home for brought it, like use them as ashtrays and stuff like that. What? I know it's pretty disturbing. I was like, oh my god. Anyway, but the video itself, I still was thought was good, and it really brought them out and popped them on MTV. So it made them even bigger and made this song huge. But it fitted perfectly, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what they were going for. I mean, he had his mental issues or his anxieties, however you want to call it, you know, this fit perfectly. Absolutely. Now, great tune. Our number two overall, Basket Case by Green Day. Let's take a listen. Sometimes I give myself the drinks. Sometimes my mind plays tricks on me. It all keeps setting up. I think I'm cracking up. Yeah, that was Basket Case by Green Day, our number two, which means our number one song is coming up. Whoa. Can you believe it? Not really. Yeah, I know. It's coming. It's really quick. Let's go. Our number one song is Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. Just Fantastic. Kidding. I'm kidding. Because <laughs> Jeff's like, there's one song that has to be here. There's one band that well, has to has, be here. It has to be on there. We, and, I'm not uh, stupid. I know which one And this is the media's number two song. Yep. And this is both of our number one, one songs. Song. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> and, silly. And speaking of number one, this is the first episode we ever did on this podcast, Soundgarden, off of Super Unknown. And the song is Black Hole Sun. I love so many songs on this album. One of the best albums ever created in my mind. But Black Hole Sun is so intricate. It's so well put together. I had to put this song on there. Absolutely. Like you, I could have picked any number of songs. I was... Going back and forth, is it Spoon Man or is it Black I was Hole more Sun? fell on Black Days or this, but yeah. You're more fell on Black Days. Mine was more of a Spoon Man, just for the rest. Or Fourth of July. But that, that, Fourth of July, you can do Dusty, we can do Mailman, yeah. I can go all the way through the entire album if you want. Like you were saying, so intricate. I mean, this is this song starts with two sus chords. I think it's it's G sus 2 and D sus 4 or something along those lines. But who does that? Who, who, you know, the, the start of the song is so weird and intricate but it fits it perfectly one of the cool things is they use that leslie cabinet yeah it's a rotating speaker they were using a leslie model 16 rotating speaker cabinet it's made specifically for organs the right. guitar player is like this would be a kind of a cool sound if we can figure this out so yeah you, yeah. Spe you, you speed it up slow it down by a foot pedal it's 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 a great little sound that people have been doing for years but the the structure of this song and the way it's put together it's just it's a great and the vocals are done impeccably and Chris has a great duet with Chris on this. He has a, like, like most of them, right? Most of them. Well, Spoon Man, it's him and Ben, right? But uh, it, it's Chris's duetting with Chris. Um, Matt does it in concert, though. I mean, he picks up sure, you know, sure. certain parts. But, I mean, this is, uh, again, one of my favorite bands. My Definitely my favorite band of the 90s. This song hits hits every note, right? And Chris was inspired by this because he heard a newscaster say the words Black Hole Sun. 
but that's not what he actually said, but that's what he heard. And he loved the title and he said, I got to write a song about that. And Chris always says, if I write lyrics that are bleak or dark, it usually makes me feel better. And a lot of people don't realize that Black Hole Sun's a pretty dark song. Oh my gosh. But what's well, a Chris Cornell song? Yeah, because it sounds kind of, you know, it's poppy a little. Uh, yes. You know what yes, I'm saying? So yes. so a lot of people who listen to it may not realize what the stuff's actually about. But yeah. It's great. I remember when Chris killed himself, someone said, well, his wife doesn't think, you know, it kind of came out of nowhere. I'm like, no, it didn't. Have you been listening to his lyrics for the past five years? Right. Everything is dark. It's just the way he was. It was just, you know, that's just him. Chris Cornell said... The title is, is more or less kind of a bit of asking for hope or feeling sort of grasping for some kind of hope out of depression or feeling sort of lost or sad. But the lyrics were more or less inspired by the music, so it's kind of ethereal and dreamy. And it's, you know, I, I didn't really go for anything specific there. Yeah. I think this is the song, too, where Dave Grohl said this was what the grunge era was trying to get. They were all trying to write like the Beatles and sound like Black Sabbath. And this is the song that did that. And the producer kind of worked with Chris and he said, Chris, the songs he initially gave him. Mm hmm. He said, oh, those are good, but why are you trying, why are you writing like this? He goes, well, I have to make it sound like Soundgarden. Mm -hmm. He goes, you're Soundgarden. Yeah. Anything you write, the band will make sound like Soundgarden. Yeah. So just write what's on your mind, write write a variety of different stuff and bring it back to me. Yeah. And then he said when he went through the tracks he sent them, Mm -hmm. the first one was uh, Fell on Black Days, which he liked, and there was a couple other ones that were good in there, but then when he heard... Black Hole Sun, his mouth just fell to the floor. Yeah. And he's like, I, as a producer, for years and years and years, that's never happened to me. Mm-hmm. That at the end of that song, I just wanted to listen to it again and again. And I really didn't have to do too much to it. And it was just phenomenal from the yeah. demo. I know Chris has said, Chris said this in the past that Kim's job was to keep Soundgarden heavy. Because you listen to Chris's stuff after. He was singer-songwriter. But... The heaviness of the band was Kim's job, right? I'm going to write the songs. I'll write the melodies. But Kim, you figure out a way to keep us heavy somehow in this. One of the cool things I learned, I, there is a great interview with the producer of is Super it, Was it Brendan O'Brien or who? No, not Brendan O'Brien. Michael Beinhorn. He uh, talked for an hour about Black Hole Sun. Really? Yeah. And he started talking about the way they recorded this album. And a couple of things jumped me. You know, the distorted vocals in this track? Mm-hmm. What they did is they had this old beat up Sun PA. They didn't do that with an effect. They mic'd a bad PA yeah. and they had him sing under it. And as it layers in, where you hear that distorted vocal on the some tracks, mm-hmm. it's him through a bad PA. Yeah. One of the things he mentioned was during the, and this is as geeky as we're going to get in this podcast. No, keep going. You know what vocal mic Chris used on Super Unknown? I believe it was a Neumann, but it was a modified Neumann. Yeah. U87. Yeah. Modified U87. And the great thing about it is he blew five of those. That's what I heard. Absolutely. (laughs) Through through the album. (laughs) I've heard that secondary from that same documentary. I didn't watch the documentary, but I heard someone else commenting on it. Yeah. So he had those Neumanns. Those are inexpensive mics, by the way. Yeah, $3,700 a piece. <laughs> yeah, blew four of them. I mean, you have to listen to it. Listen to the isolated vocals on some of the songs from that album. In my eyes, indisposed, in disguises no one knows, has the face 
Lies the snake in the sun in my disgrace. It's amazing. This remember, this is all pre Pro Tools. And the U87's uh, ribbon mic. Yeah. Just in case somebody didn't know that, I just wanted to make sure that everybody understands. Imagine a piece of tinfoil and blow on it really hard. That's what a ribbon microphone is. You blow hard enough, you'll you'll tear it apart. It's good for classical music. Yes, you put, <laughs> yes exactly. Put, put it on a, a cello. And this won a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. So It won a three or four Grammys for different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the album did. Yeah, this song was Best Hard the Rock album, Performance. The album, this one just won that one, yeah. Yes. Fantastic song, fantastic album. If you if you've lived under a rock for the past twenty five years and haven't heard this album, you should probably go out and get it. And this is one where you should listen to it from beginning to end. Don't skip, don't hit shuffle. Start with my wave and end on Fourth of July. Yeah, there you go. And it's my opinion too because we both had it at number one. We matched. Wonder Twin Powers activate. All right, form of <laughs> form of the number one song. All right, let's listen to Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden off a of super unknown. Fantastic album. Let's listen. That was our number one song, Black Hole Sun. Hooray! We made it through. We what did. A, and what a what a great song. And now's the time. If you've listened to this podcast, you said I love '94, but you didn't play the band that I love. Have no fear. We're gonna jump into something called "Miss the Cut," and we're gonna play a little clip from all the songs that were on our list or on the media's list that didn't make the cut. And then we're gonna talk briefly about, depending on who goes. Like if Jeff goes, then we're going to talk. Jeff's going to talk for about a minute about one of his songs. A minute or whatever. Uh, but a media will grab a song that grabs our attention, and we'll yeah. talk about. We'll start with a media. But they're not here. I know, but that's why we can talk about. That. Oh, I see. Okay. The media had several songs that missed the cut. First of all, it's number one, "Closer" by Nine Inch Nails. It's number four, Doll Parts by Hull. It's number eight, Live Forever by Oasis. It's number 10, Nutshell by Alice in Chains. And yet I find, yet I find, repeating in my head. Number 11, Loser by Beck. Cut it. And number 12, My Life by Iris DeMent. I joy to my mother. I my- All right, that, 
was the meatiest list. Whatever. Anything jump out to you? <laughs> Anything you want to talk about? No. Loser, I thought, was great. I mean, the I'm whole, not a Beck fan. I know, but the chorus, soy um pentador, pertador, whatever it is, which means it's Spanish for I'm a loser, which I didn't know. Come on. You had to know that song in, the, in that year. It was so you know, huge. I, it was a huge song, but, uh, but you know, Beck. It, fantastic. It's fantastic. I'm glad Beck, the media picked it. And Beck hit on the title for the chorus after doing some raps and exclaiming, I'm the worst rapper in the world. I'm just a loser. <laughs> no argument. Beck kind of over time didn't love the song. In the music video, it was not surprisingly a little artsy and stop motion. Motion coffin and there's a whole bunch of things yeah. and he's wearing this stormtrooper helmet, which they had to blur out a little bit for little <laughs> copyright reasons. reasons. <laughs> but during the concert, if people were requesting Loser at the concert, he would put on the helmet and play the song on cassette on a boombox and dance around the stage. Fantastic. <laughs> Great. Such an artist. Anyway, that was the medias. So let's go to uh, Jeff. Here we go. Great. Jeff, you have three songs that missed your list. Dog Man by King's X, your number nine. Your number 11, Machine Head by Bush. And your number 12, Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish. So, Jeff, which one do you want to talk about? I think Dogman. Okay. Love King's X. It's just so great. The beginning chord, that Hendrix chord, that dominant seven, sharp nine, just jumps out at you. There's no there's no lead into the song. It's just banging and it goes. Doug's a great vocalist. The guitars are fantastic. Ty is a great guitar player. Their harmonies work well together. I think it's just a fantastic song. Yeah, this is about their... Uh deals with the music industry king's x they were really hammering them pretty hard mm -hmm. and their longtime manager left them and they were trying to find a new one and this is all happening at the time of this album such an underrated band why they didn't get bigger no one really knows i mean you, you read articles about them like we don't understand why they weren't huge and the original title for this was good man and then they started brainstorming they said that's that we don't like that what else can we come up with and there was yeah. green man and finally, they stuck with Dogman. When, when somebody said Dogman, they knew they had a winner. Yeah, I think Dogman was it. They, they had it. Well, let's listen to the songs that missed my list. I had four songs that missed the cut. My number nine song, Ants Marching, by the Dave Matthews Band. My number ten. Only Want to Be With You by Hootie and the Blowfish. My number 11, Lean My Wounds by Corrosion of Conformity.
my number 12, No Excuses by Allison Chains. Okay, I guess I'm going to talk about... We haven't talked about Hootie. Let me talk about Hootie. Hootie right. and the Blowfish, Cracked Rearview Mirror, I Only Want to Be With You, was my number 10. One of those albums that... Flew under the radar? Was not really... Flo- no, it was, it was huge. It was the was biggest kidding. album ever <laughs> for that year. It was uh, huge. This song was actually a tribute to uh, Bob Dylan. He actually got in trouble from Bob Dylan for this, believe it or not, because he used some of Dylan's Tangled Up in Blue. Oh, Bob, get over it. And some of the words directly from his track, Idiot Wind. Yeah. He thought he was doing it in respect. And Bob said, that's great, but... Pay me money. <laughs> Thanks, bud. It was a huge album. I mean, I had one song on my list. You had the other one. We could have come together on that, and it would have been in number 10, 11, or 12 on the list. But Interestingly, Hootie actually got in trouble for this, or not in trouble, a little ridicule because he was talking about how the Dolphins made me cry. <laughs> and if you're ever a sports fan and you have your team and you haven't cried a little. Oh, like even shed a that, tear over the Mets. Come oh, on. the Mets, is, it's a constant tear. It's a constant crying. That's for all I do. <laughs> you and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, if you have like uh, Yankee fans, okay, maybe not. Or, well, they, did, well, for about, this they year, did for about 30 years. Yeah, for this year, they're crying, yeah, thankfully. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was a while the Yankees weren't doing well. Right, or whatever. It's the, the teams that win every year. It's like, yeah, exactly. oh, stop. Braves, you suck. Stop. Stop winning. <laughs> It's well-run teams and not well-run teams, I guess, at the end of it. Oh, what a what a good song. And it's Crack Rearview Mirror is the best-selling album in the history of Atlantic Records. No. Yes. They were Led Zeppelin. Yes. No way. They outsold Led Zeppelin, but there's more people at the time. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it's uh, obviously a different era and yeah. things were done differently, but that's that's an amazing yeah. stat, uh, stat when you said that's that. That's how big that album was. It was huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge. It was a very, 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 very popular album. So, anyway, we made it through. Thank we you so made, much. Oh my gosh, oh, you're kidding. Let me remind everybody what our Dirty Dozen was. Now it's time to rewind. <laughs> Our number 12 was I Stay Away by Alice in Chains. Our number 11 is Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. Our number 10 is Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Our number 9 is Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Our number 8 is Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. Our number 7 is Better Man by Pearl Jam. Our number 6, Self-Esteem, The Offspring. Our number 5, Run Around by Blues Traveler. Our number four, Interstate Love Song by Stone Temple Pilots. Our number three, I Alone by Live. Our number two, Basket Case by Green Day. And our number one, Hootie and the Blowfish. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, our number one overall. This is a really great year. This 94 was a great year. It was a great year for music. You know, it really was. was I had a hard time with this year. It was so good, though. Oh, my gosh. Well, the next one we're doing, I won't say what it is unless you want to. But, I mean, that. I don't know how I'm going to pare that one down. I have no idea how we're going to get that get that down to it. But anyway, 12. thank thank Jeff. You, Jeff. Oh my gosh! Thank this. you so much for inviting me. This is always fun. Hopefully, everybody enjoys it. So, uh, subscribe, click the link button. I don't know whatever we do on these things, but yes, you know. all of the above. Yes. And I want to thank everybody who started voting last week. It was a really great turnout. We had 
I think around 60 people who voted, who voted for a total of 110 times or so, because you can vote for more than one artist at a time. So it was really turned out great. And our first band is Weezer that we're going to be doing next year. So that's great. That's what won in the rock category. And now we're going to be doing the solo artists coming up. And there's a lot of big names in that. Oh, good. Thank everybody who's been voting. I truly appreciate all you guys and ladies. Keep voting. Keep keep uh, keep involved. Well, thank you all for being a part of the community. Thank you for listening to us. I can't tell you how much that means to me. And I truly love all you guys. And that's not hyperbole. That said, I will see you guys in two weeks with the big year of 1993. Fantastic. See you then. Thank you all so much. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.